Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Bad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and put days like this in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Today, we saw the power of positive thinking. When the market goes down like this, Dow sinking 345 points, S&P falling 1.16%, and then Nasdaq declining 0.82%, there's only one thought that's running through investors' minds. Good. Now I get a chance to buy. Not long ago, in days like this, we'd say, oh, boy, I got to get out of here while the getting's good. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this thing? It's going to roll over. Now we often see pullbacks like this as opportunities that are too precious to squander. How do we explain the new mindset? Is it just FOMO, fear of missing out? No. I think it's because we've finally broken the tyranny of the indexers. For years, we had a lockstep market. The whole S&P 500 would go up when the Fed said something positive or we'd get solid employment number. The S&P would get crushed whenever we got anything discouraging, like the Fed saying it's time to raise interest rates or European bond market collapse, your negative Fed minutes. Either way, we were in the thrall to these big macro events. They control everything. Not anymore. These days, the macro just doesn't matter as much because so many individual stock buyers and even ETF buyers have stopped reacting to this stuff. Instead, they react to the opportunity. So when stocks they like come down, these people step up and they actually start buying. Makes it much harder to have a hideous sell-off that crushes everything to a pulp. And you know what? There's nothing new about this less lockstep, more opportunistic mindset. This was the old normal before the triumph of the index funds roughly 20 years ago. I know it's hard to believe, but there was a time when individual stocks and their sectors mattered a great deal. When I taught uh, stocks at Goldman Sachs, I'd say that half the movement in the stock came from what a company did and half came from what its sector. We didn't even count the action of the S&P 500, for heaven's sake. I once worked with the CEO of a major shoe company. He ran it so well that the stock got into the S&P 500, just like Tesla did the other day. I thought he'd be thrilled. No, he was livid. Why? Because he realized that eventually what he did wouldn't really matter to the share price, no matter how well he executed. If big institutional money managers just bought and sold the whole index, like playthings, to make their investments, then his stock would simply rise or fall with that basket called the S&P. If we got a bad enough sell-off, his company might end up getting acquired for a pittance through no fault of his own. This was 30 years ago, and you know what? He nailed it. That's exactly what happened. As the gravitational pull of the S&P 500 overwhelmed the fundamentals of individual companies or even individual sectors, sure enough, his company saw its stock plunge so low, dragged down as part of the S&P, that it ended up being taken over for what I think was a fraction of what it was worth. And that's what happens when everybody pours all their money into index funds. But something changed. Something changed this year. We got flooded with new, younger buyers who follow companies, not indices, and they are having a major impact. Of course, the index fund buyers are still around. In many ways, they're bigger than ever. However, their money seems almost all one way. 
People aren't trading the S&P 500 in this market. They're simply using it as their principal way of saving money. Not a bad idea, given how low interest rates are. If you want income, bonds just won't cut it. You have to buy stocks, stocks that have decent yields. Then you can reinvest those dividends for a much better return than anything you'll get from treasuries. So you got a ton of buying in the S&P 500, which creates a nice safety net that deters many of the S&P future sellers. They can't even knock the market down anymore. Meanwhile, betting against the whole market as, a, as, as an entirety has been such a terrible move for the past eight months that many money managers are just tired of getting burned. Believe me, it's a big issue. My favorite strategist, Michael Semblist, over at J.P. Morgan, wrote a devastating piece today about how the um, Armageddonistas have lost their way. These bearish money managers who come out and say horrible things about the market on air keep predicting gigantic sell-offs. And they've been crushed over and over and over again, to the point where many of them probably have had a lot of the money taken away, as they should. These hedge funds don't short individual stocks. They're too small. Too much homework. They short the S&P 500. It's not going well for them. Honestly, it's a miracle they have any money to run at all. In their place, you have investors who want to bet on broad themes. You can get an ETF for pretty much anything these days, from semiconductors to gaming to cloud, cloud security, drug, biotech, even for arbitrary acronyms like one I created called FANG. I'm not a fan of these ETFs because generally they try to own the good with the bad. But right now, there's a lot more good than bad, so it's been working. Lately, though, there's been a move to own individual stocks led by younger, often novice investors who've been captivated by a world of commission-free trading. It took me a little while to realize it, but the no commission thing, it's been revolutionary. For years, we were told not to trade individual stocks because the commissions would eat into our gains. That's not a problem anymore. Thanks to all this money flitting in and out of individual stocks, we've minimized the pull of the S&P futures and maximized the importance of how companies are actually doing. It's a return to the old days when management's execution really mattered. Every day we see individual stocks on the move because the underlying businesses are thriving. You get a big spike in COVID cases, you know Zoom video will make money. You think electric vehicles are the future, you bet on Tesla or Lordstown or, uh, uh, or Fister. Want to bet that we'll get the vaccine sooner than expected? We'll buy the cruise place or the airlines. 5G looking good? Okay, so go grab some Qualcomm. The auto market's just good, getting stronger for GM. Want retailers? Well, if we care about individual companies, uh, then you should go with the best, which now means Target after today's report, or Costco after that $10 dividend. Yet now that we've beaten what I call the tyranny of the index funds, the market no longer marches in its lockstep as it used to. The bottom line, as long as interest rates stay extremely low and individuals don't get brainwashed anymore into believing they're too dumb to pick stocks, you're going to get more days like today where disparate groups move in opposite directions and opportunity comes a knocking. It's not a weird anomaly. It's just a delicious throwback to the days when individual stocks and their CEOs still matter. Enjoy it while it lasts. Jonathan in New York. Jonathan. Jim, booyah from Massapequa in Long Island. Nice to have you on the show. Thank you. Want to thank you for being a mentor through the bull markets, bear markets, a pandemic. You're a man with horse sense. Oh, thank you. I got horse sense. Thank you. Highest compliment. My question is about... TripAdvisor. A uh, year ago it was $57. Uh, t- uh, two years ago it was $57. 2019 was $29. Now it's at $25. I know the earnings are coming out in February. Upon my research, the analysts seem split between buy, sell, and hold. Um, I know where it's been. I'm curious what you think about where it's going. And the news just came out today about a 
3% threshold in New York City schools are closing down again, right. hopefully short and temporary. So how is this going to affect TripAdvisor in the short term well, and long? Okay, so, so Jonathan, I, I actually, I've been listening to Steve Crawford. He's a very bright guy, CEO. But if you think that advertising, if you think that, trip, that trips are going to follow, you should actually buy Alphabet because a huge amount of their, of, of their business, their, their ad business, is related to travel. And remember, you can buy a sliver of it. You don't have to pay those prices. Just go buy a sliver. I need to speak to Jeff in Texas, please. Jeff. Hey, Jim. I've been watching you for years. I just oh, want to thank say you. A simple thank you. Uh, if you are ever in Austin, let me take you out for a beer and some tacos. Please, let me do that. All right. Um, so, hey, I'm a longtime investor in Shag, and I'm really curious to hear your take on the future of remote learning. Uh, New York recently just shut down their public school system today due to increasing COVID rates. Students are coming home from school for the holidays. And realistically, even with multiple vaccines on the horizon, what do you think the next six months for university students looks like? And do you think Chad well, will continue? I, I thought the stock should have gone, gone up on that last quarter, and that worried me. It made me feel like the stock has run for now and needs to rest. I think Dan Rosenzweig is absolutely terrific. But I think it's going to stall out here. Uh, a lot of good news is in the stock. A lot of bad news has to happen. Remember, the vaccine's coming. And a lot of people feel that when the vaccine comes, this stock is going to get hurt. And that's what's bothering the company's stock. Let's go to uh, Pablo in Texas. Pablo. Hey, Booyah, Jim. This is Pablo from San Antonio, Texas. Thanks, amigo, for all your help. Oh, quite welcome. How can I help you, sir? Yes. So my question is about GoodRx Holdings, ticker GDRx. It was downgraded today by JP Morgan. Yeah. It lost approximately 30% in the last two days. And now Amazon entering into the pharmacy business, offering discount on medications for prime members. Without the insurance and the delivery of the medications plus, it actually partnering with 50,000 brick-and-mortar pharmacies. My question is, buy, sell, or hold? Well, this is a tough one. I've got to tell you, that was really a brutal downgrade. After all the selling yesterday, they hit it again. Um, that said, we have to hear from Doug Hirsch. I am not going to presume that Doug Hirsch doesn't have a plan to deal with this because uh, otherwise... It truly should be down as much as it is. All right. We have finally broken the tyranny of the indexers. Individual stocks matter again at last. Expect more days like today. On Man Money, doctor's orders are going virtual. IntelliDoc is banking on the trend. With COVID-19 case counts on the rise again, could the stock be an ideal play for investors looking for ways to embrace volatility? I'm talking with the CEO. And President-elect Biden has an ambitious climate policy. What could it mean for companies involved with green hydrogen? I'm going to give you my take. And experts, well, they're seeing a 20% increase in migraine during the pandemics uh, due to increased levels of stress among a biotech player that hopes to help. Don't miss my sit down with Biohaven. And stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. One. 
Hey, say what's happening, man. Tip T.I. Harris right here, the king good. Welcome to 10 Songs That Made Me, a new show that invites artists and influencers to explore 10 of the tracks that made them who they are today, as creators and as people. You'll hear the soundtrack to my life in the very first episode, but make sure to tune in every week for new episodes. Follow and listen for free, only on Spotify. In August, two of the biggest winners of the whole COVID year decided to merge, with Teladoc buying Livongo Health, both on many times, in a massive cash and stock deal. Oh, I thought it was terrific. Long, really long term, I knew this one would be great because it's combining the leading player in telemedicine with a terrific digital health platform for people with chronic conditions like diabetes and hypertension. However, the news took all the momentum out of both stocks. Teladoc peaked at $253 the day before the deal, and today it's just at $182. Worse, now that the markets had time to digest the news, we know there are not one but two promising COVID vaccines, something that's making investors nervous because this stock's gotten a major boost from the pandemic. Now, I don't think this is a temporary boost at all. The virus simply accelerated a powerful secular trend. Once you start doing digital doctor's visits... Well, I'm betting a lot of people stick with that because it's a lot more convenient. Still, we need to revisit this one. So let's take a closer look with Jason Gorbik. He's the CEO of Teladoc Health to get a clearer picture of where his company's headed as they work to integrate Livongo. Mr. Gorbik, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so Jason, I've been thinking historically uh, this the way of health was done very differently. And then people discovered Teladoc before COVID. And it was gaining momentum and then increased because of COVID. Do we have any instances of people saying, you know what, I don't want to be in telemedicine anymore. I want to go back to the waiting room. Absolutely not. Our net promoter scores are at the highest levels they've been. Uh, You know, we were at one point fighting for awareness and then we went straight through the acceptance phase uh, over the first few months of the pandemic. And now we've moved to a place where consumers and physicians, this is part of their expectation set for how they're going to get care. Now, you, when you merged with Livongo, we remember from Glenn that there was not Glenn told me, that there was not a lot of overlap, that there were two different, basically, let's call them client lists. How's the integration going? The, integra- uh, the integration's going great. We, uh, we have two very similar cultures with a common mission, very little overlap in terms of clients, and very little overlap in terms of our product portfolio. It's incredibly complementary, and the teams are deep in the process of integration. We announced some early wins with cross-sells to Guidewell, the parent of Florida Blue, and a large employer who was a Teladoc client hadn't even been in discussions with Livongo yet, and we were able to close the, seal, the, the deal in literally 90 days. See, I, I think the people are also uh, misjudging another business line, so to speak, if I can be crass, that wasn't initial, which is behavioral science, which I think must be off the charts in an era, frankly, where there isn't anyone who's not on edge. Yeah, I mean, behavioral health care is incredibly important. We're seeing record growth in our in our mental health area. And 40 percent of the people who are coming to us for mental health care say that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten care. You know, we're not just virtualizing people who already would have gotten care and changing them from in-person to virtual visits. 
we're really expanding access to care in this really important part of, of the healthcare system, mental health, which we know has a tremendous impact on physical health and the cost of care. Uh, now, a lot of us can't go overseas anymore, but if I were overseas, I know if I were in a gym, I would call Teladoc. That means there must be expatriates, international people who are signing up who, frankly, have no other choice. Well, that's right. And as you know, Jim, we're the only truly global player in the virtual care arena. We might be the only global healthcare delivery platform where we have about 15, maybe 18 percent of our business coming from outside the U.S., really strong in Europe, really strong in South America, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada. And, and, and we're also serving people from outside the U.S. who are here in the U.S., Companies like, you know, Cigna International, Aetna International, UPA turn to us because we're a global solution. Now, uh, Lisa Gill, whom I deal with quite a bit from JP Morgan, she's talking about the, the uh, taking control of your health care means that you want low cost, but high quality and you want convenience. And to me, that describes what you've gotten when you've merged these two companies. Well, well, that's right. And, and really, we now have an unmatched breadth of clinical capabilities that are delivered using both technology and the expertise of physicians, therapists, registered dietitians, coaches across a wide array of conditions that nobody else can match. Because I think what you're going to find is people don't just want virtual care for colds and flus. They want it for everything they need. And, and we're seeing that where now, about 55% of our visits are for non-infectious diseases because, you know, social distancing and masks controls the spread of COVID, but it also controls the spread of colds and flus and strep throats. And yet our volume is up dramatically year over year. Just one last question just about COVID. Where do you think we are uh, just in terms of uh, number of calls? I mean, I get a lot of people who tell me, Jim, you don't look at the percentage of people who have died. It's really lower than the flu. And you should stop. You know, you're too worried about it with your mask initiative. To me, it's not me. I mean, this is a dangerous illness. And I am sure you get a lot of calls from people who are not just suffering. It's not cold and sniffles. Well, that's right. In fact, our volume's up substantially, but only about 10% of our volume is really COVID-related at this point. Uh, we're seeing people that come to us for all different conditions, ranging from hypertension to lower back pain to anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're exactly right. This is a dangerous illness, and, and people need to heed the warnings. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful about uh, the vaccine announcements that we've seen and we took all that into account when we said earlier this year that we expect to grow 30 to 40 percent even before the Lavango transaction. We knew that there was going to be a vaccine. And I'm really hopeful that that comes to market quickly uh, and that we can get through the other end of this. All right, well, as, as I, I said this morning when I announced that you, you're on, you are the med tech company that I think that is going to become the one that like PayPal, the one that they decide they liked in banks. Teladoc, the one they decide in healthcare. Thank you so much, Jason Gorvik, CEO of Teladoc Health, TDOC. Good to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Good to see you, too. Mayor Bunny's back after the break. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. 
No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Was Elon Musk right when he called hydrogen fuel cells mind-bogglingly stupid and staggeringly dumb? Is it true that success is simply impossible and that they're really fool cells, not fuel cells? We've got to take Musk seriously on this one. Like him or not, he owns the electric vehicle category. Given that Tesla's about to join the SP 500, in part because it's just had five straight quarters of profitability, but also because it would be crazy to block a $460 billion company from the index. I've got to be honest here. For many years, I had the exact same take as Elon Musk, and that's the only time I'll ever even put myself in the same sentence as him because he's a genius, he's great. But you know what? I, 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 I did think that, f- that fuel cells were fool cells. Every now and then, these stocks would roar on some new piece of hype, and I told you to sell them, that the business remained a pipe dream, that they'd go right back down. And they did. In the past year, though, something's changed. Even as billions have been lost chasing the holy grail of what's known as green hydrogen, these companies just keep trying and trying and trying, much to the chagrin of Musk, not to mention his acolytes, who attacked me nonstop on Twitter for even thinking that hydrogen can work. See, I think the green hydrogen proponents at last have something going for them that the doubters aren't counting on. They have funding. The technology to commercialize hydrogen fuel cells might not be there. No, isn't there. But the money is. And any fan of Tesla has to recognize that raising capital is half the battle. Again, for the moment, green hydrogen simply isn't economically viable. We could make fuel cells work using dirty hydrogen harvested from fuel cells, uh, from fossil fuels. But that kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? I don't expect to ride around in a hydrogen-powered car in the next decade, even as it's already in use in forklifts. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't even matter what Elon Musk thinks, even if he's the world's leading expert on electric vehicles, which he is. What matters is something that happened the same day Tesla was admitted to the S&P 500. I'm talking about Plug Power's $845 million capital raise, a gigantic equity offering price more than 10% in the hole. Plug Power is the least speculative of the fuel cell place. They've already got their batteries in tens of thousands of forklifts. Most importantly, though, they raised a bunch of money, and the people who bought on the deal didn't get crushed. They actually finished the day with a small gain, even though the stock was already up 600% for the year. Now, they are up almost a dollar from that deal if they held on, even though today was a terrible day. When Plug Power can raise nearly a billion dollars by selling stock in about an hour's time, that, my friends, is a game changer. This company has spent two decades losing money. Two decades. A lot of money working on fuel cells. Plug Power stock has broken so many hearts, it's floundered around for years, periodically making a move, only to be crushed like a bug on a windshield. Not this time. This time, Plug Power is worth nearly $10 billion. This time, they actually beat the numbers when they reported their most recent quarter. This time, Plug Power's got a customer list for the forklifts. Basically, it's a who's who of major players. They will want to reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, Walmart, Amazon, Kroger, FedEx. It, now, you could say, what else is new? This company's been making forklifts for ages. They're still a long way from turning a profit. The CEO, Andy Marsh, is a telco guy, for heaven's sake. What the heck does he know about energy? He's been running this business for a dozen years, and all he has is a materials handling company that generates a lot of losses? All true. All true. All true, Elon Musk. 
what, what Marsh has going for him? Well, let's take a look. First, the Biden presidency. Yes, plug power and all things green got real lucky in the presidential election. Biden won't be able to do much in terms of legislation, but you can expect the regulatory environment to be a lot more friendly to companies that are working on alternative sources of energy. Second, green hydrogen, the kind that can produce energy with zero carbon emissions, the only byproduct is water, requires a massive amount of electricity in order to be a viable fuel source. Until very recently, that meant the economics were simply impossible. But every year, the price of wind and solar gets cheaper and cheaper. And that makes green hydrogen a lot more realistic, especially in California, where the price of renewable power is it's collapsed. Third, when it comes to renewables, the biggest obstacle right now is storage. You can't you can build millions of solar panels and windmills, but they don't do squat when the sun goes down or the wind keeps blowing, you know, it just stops blowing. Hydrogen could solve that problem. You take solar during the day, use it to extract hydrogen from water. Then when the sun sets, you use your hydrogen fuel cells to make power. That could be how we wean ourselves off fossil fuels. Finally, while Plug Power is still a small-time operator, there are some major players betting on hydrogen here. We've got Lindy, that's L-I-N-D-E, the world's largest industrial gas distributor on the show, and CEO Steve Angel was cautiously optimistic about hydrogen fuel cells, although he wasn't willing to predict a national buildout anytime soon. That's happening in China. Meanwhile, Cummins, the huge engine company, currently investing in a hydrogen engine uh, down the line. Uh, uh, of course, Cummins is a very forward-thinking company, sometimes too forward thinking for its own good. They once tried to build a natural gas engine that never really got off the ground, commercially at least. I am sure Musk would view their hydrogen efforts with contempt. But there are Japanese and German automakers that are making similar investments, betting hydrogen will be the fuel of the future. Honeywell just bought a drone business less than a month ago that's powered by hydrogen fuel cells. Honeywell's not dreamers. Maybe we're coming at all this from the wrong angle, though. Forget plug power for a second. That's, that, that, that's the best hydrogen play. What about the worst one? Or at least the one with the worst reputation. I'm talking about Nikola, the electric truck developer that's become a punchline because the, the founder, uh, former executive chairman, uh, just couldn't stop committing fraud, allegedly. Nikola is the company that took footage of their truck rolling down a hill, then adjusted the video to make it look like it was operating under its own power, own power and going real fast. All right. Now, I, I haven't been a big fan of Nikolaus since that happened, okay? But, but it's working on a hydrogen fuel cell, and, and the company's got some major backers, including Bosch, which is a fantastic German industrial giant, and CNH Industrial, soon to be run by Scott Wine, yes, of Polaris fame, whom I know from talking to him is very intrigued by this kind of alternative energy source. These companies have put hundreds of millions into Nikola, and they haven't been deterred at all by the shenanigans of its old management. Most importantly, General Motors struck a deal with Nikola, and they haven't pulled out, even after the revelation that could be a game changer for them in the truck space. And just, you know, that deal has not been signed. But if it were signed, if it were signed, I think there's 20 percent you could make in here. Again, I can't recommend the stock in part because the ousted founder, Trevor Milton, will be free to sell a huge number of shares next month. But if Nikola can find backers in this environment, who the heck are we to doubt something far more legitimate like plug power? Which brings me back to Elon Musk. Right now, he's absolutely right. The Tesla's lithium batteries are much, much, much. Let me add three more muches better. uh, And electric vehicles are having all over hydrogen fuel cells. And hydrogen fuel cells are for dreamers. They're for dreamers. Okay, okay, okay. uh, Let me alone in my Twitter file. Green hydrogen is not viable. At least not yet. But the bottom line, hydrogen doesn't need to be viable right now to make something like plug power worth owning. 
They just need to be able to raise money to keep improving the technology because they're absolutely moving in the right direction. And the money's there. I'm betting that ultimately the technology follows. Hey, how about we go to Joel in California? Joel. Hi, Jim. First time caller, long time listener. Thanks Excellent. for taking my call. Excellent. Um, well, I've been in this dot since $10. It's now trading around 130 range. I think it's going to $200 a share. Um, the company has ex- expanding markets in the EU, in India, and Africa. Um, they have the best solar tech in the U.S., and um, I feel they're just scratching the surface of, of the full potential. Um, the sky's the limit, in my, in my opinion. Um, the ticker is Enphase. Booyah. Oh, Enphase is terrific. We've liked this company for I don't know how long. I mean, I don't know, maybe 100 points? I, I, we think it's absolutely right, and you should, stay on, you should continue to own it. I think it's very, very good. I need to go to Christopher in California. Christopher. Hey, Jim. Booyah from California. Yeah, what's happening? Oh, I just wanted your thoughts on uh, PSX, Philip 66. I bought it for around $48 per share. I'm wondering what a good price target is to sell. Well, you know, you're getting, you got to make hay when the sun shines in these, uh, in the refinery companies. Now, refinery, I know from Chevron, I'm doing work on it this morning when we interviewed Mike Worth. Refining not doing that well right now. So you get a little bit of lift from the energy complex, but I do want you to go. Okay, I want you to go uh, if it gets back to 65. All right. Sure, the tech to commercialize hydrogen fuel cells isn't there yet. But Elon Musk is right. Elon Musk is right. But the money is. And that, as he might tell you, is half the battle. Much more mad money at, including my exclusive with Biohaven. The stocks were up more than 90% over the past year. And you, you know we like it. You gotta ask, can the move continue? I'm asking the CEO then why Robinhood traders may have gotten Ford and GE right. But the analysts got it wrong. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. In a confused market that doesn't know whether it wants to be excited about these COVID vaccines or apprehensive about the virus's uncontrolled spread, you can still find some straightforward stories that are nice and easy. Take Biohaven Pharmaceuticals, a biotech company with a stock that's exploded higher over the past eight months, ever since they got FDA approval for their novel revolutionary migraine drug, Nurtec ODT. I know this one works because I use it myself. Biohaven's shares have nearly tripled since we first had them on the show in April, and I told you you had to buy it. I'm betting it's got even more upside thanks to the strength of the migraine pill, not to mention everything else in the pipeline, including something we've never talked about, which is the Alzheimer's drug. Uh, but don't take it from me. Let's check in with Dr. Vlad Kurek. He's the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceutical Holding. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Dr. Kurek, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Okay, so Vlad, I'm not so good. I woke up at 3.30 a.m. with a blinding migraine. Just incredible. And I had to go downstairs because I did not have my Nurtec next to me. Five minutes later, I had no migraine. When I speak to other people who have migraine, they take a lot of over-the-counter medicines. Why have they not heard of Biohaven or is it their insurance company that's not paying? Well, Jim, thanks, and thank you for sharing that story. It's really thanks to your advocacy, and you've been front and center with your um, advocacy as a spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation. And people like you who share that story, that A, they have migraine and they found relief with a new treatment, is why we're seeing this explosive growth in our prescriptions since our launch. 
So year to date, we have over 200,000 prescriptions of Nurtec ODT. And even more important than that number are the stories that we are hearing back from patients about how their lives have been changed with Nurtec ODT, the fast onset and the long durability. So the story you described is what we're hearing from hundreds of thousands of patients. How can it, how can it get rid of, of a migraine in five minutes? What's the mechanism? CGRP is really the root cause of what is driving the pain and the associated symptoms of migraine. And what our drug does, it's selective for that receptor only and blocks it so that it blocks the pain and the associated cascade of symptoms. It's a very targeted therapy, and that's why we believe it works better than other treatments out there. And this is a best-in-class profile, Jim. As you described, it works fast, and that's because it's the only quick dissolve, and then it has has a long half-life that continues to work for up to two days. Okay, so Vlad, uh, when I see you on a Saturday, that it's going to rain on Sunday. I know. I am going to be driven to great despair. When can I take something from Biohaven on Saturday that makes it so I won't dread Sunday? Great question, and I hope that uh, in six months or so from now that we will be the first oral CGRP with the indication for the prevention of migraine. And that is so important to us, Jim, because just as you said, patients deserve to know that they can also prevent their next episodes and not wait for that migraine to hit. We have filed with the FDA what's called an SNDA. We have a PDUFA date mid-next year. And if we get approval in prevention, this will be the first and only CGRP oral agent that would be indicated as dual acting for acute and preventative therapy. And I hope one day in the near future, a patient like yourselves and others can appropriately take something to prevent their migraine with an oral medicine and not an injectable. Will that have as a few side effects as this does? It will be the exact same drug, um, Jim, and the same dose. So what's really unique about our approach is same drug, same dose. You just take the frequency of it. And we didn't even need to give it on a daily basis in our prevention trial. We showed efficacy when people took Nurtec ODT at 75 milligrams only intermittently. They took it every other day in the trial, and they still had preventative effects. And that's what we filed with the FDA. We'd like this to be the first dual-acting agent, both for acute and prevention of migraine. Well, that would be unbelievable for people. And there are millions of sufferers who do not know. It drives me crazy. I can go to a ready clinic wherever I am, and I'll ask them about migraine, and they will not know that there's anything. They will send me to it. I'm not going to knock it. There's an overcount product that has migraine on the label, and uh, I'm sure it helps some people. But there are millions who are not being helped. Now, in researching the segment, I usually don't like to bring this up because it's been such a hard, uh, hard thing to beat. But you do have something that you are trying for Alzheimer's. And we know I don't want to give anyone false hope. I've seen major drug companies just completely get, you know, Lilly tried it. We just know Biogen. Why would we think that little Biohaven might have something? Well, I remember hearing that when we brought forward our migraine treatment, right? And I think we proved that we could deliver a novel disease uh, paradigm-shifting medications. We hope to be able to do that with Alzheimer's, but you're absolutely right. This is a tough disease. We all have to have very limited expectations for the upcoming trial. But in December or January, we are going to have top-line data from a pivotal trial of our agent Trorilizol in the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. Trorilizol targets glutamate. We believe glutamate 
plays a central role in the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease. Our hypothesis is that this will not only be symptomatic or improve the, the symptoms at the time, but it may have disease-modifying effects. And so we're very excited about that upcoming data, but I share with you the need to kind of uh, tamper down any expectations. It's a tough illness. We have to keep on trying to beat this illness. I hope it's us. We'll find out soon. One, one last question. It, uh, just, it is obvious to me that word is starting to get out because nobody wants to go to the doctor's office, and yet you're getting these numbers. So, I mean, somehow people are just saying, let me get to a doctor. I have got to get this drug. Absolutely. And so even in the COVID with our migraine treatment, Nurtech ODT, people are going out and getting this drug because you know firsthand, as well as other migraine sufferers, that an acute attack of a migraine is so debilitating that you will go out and get treatment for that uh, despite COVID, right? In many ways, the near and present danger of your migraine is more debilitating. And so what we've done is try to help patients get access uh, during this time of COVID by going directly through online telemedicine, right. uh, also electronic copay cards so people can get access from their home. And we're excited about continuing to do that and get patients access remotely to this medication as well as others that we're working All right. With. Well, look, it's been a, it's great medicine. It's, of course, been an unbelievable stock, too. What's the matter with that? That's Dr. Vlad Cork. Thank you so much, sir, for being on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to see you. Dr. Vlad Kortz is the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. Look, I'm not a paid spokesman for the company. I'm someone who felt like I had a, an axe through my head this morning. And then I felt pretty good a couple minutes later. And money's back after the break. It is time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Over the lightning round, I'm going to start with Brett in Rhode Island. Brett. Hey, booyah, Jim. Uh, Brett from Rhode Island here. I really enjoy the show. Oh, you uh, my question is, MGM, uh, what do you think the future holds, and is it a buy? Well, you know what? I... Uh, I really feel strongly that because the Chinese are coming back so strong, we got to be in win. W-Y-N-N, that's the one with the most Macau exposure. And it's really well run. So my idea for you is W-Y-N-N. And you go to Josh in Connecticut. Josh. Booyah, Jim. Hey, big fan of the show. Oh, well, thank uh, you. Of course, calling about a company. Uh, it showed solid growth in their earnings last week, but the stock has dropped uh, significantly since. Plays in the automotive e-commerce space. Company is Vroom, ticker VRM. Look, I like two in that space. I like Lithium Motor, symbol Latin, and I like Carvana. And I'm not going beyond those two. Those are my plays, and I'm done with the area. Other than that, I need to go to Vincent in Florida. Vincent. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. My question, my question is on Tattooed Chef, ticker TTCF. With Tattooed Chef's rapidly growing sales in alignment with major health food trends, such as plant-based, vegan, and responsibly sourced ingredients, what do you believe the valuation of the company should be today versus one year from now? I don't know. I mean, a whole bunch of Tattoo Chef stuff arrived at my house. And no card. Thank you, Tattoo Chef, I guess. I don't know. I haven't, haven't had it yet. I mean, to me, you know, Beyond Meat has been the one I like, and Beyond Meat got its head handed to it. And uh, I, I've got to tell you, there's too, I think there's too many people, too many companies in this area. It's been too successful. Unilever wants in. Nestle wants in. Uh, impossible food. I mean, it's impossible. So I'm going to hold off. I feel like that maybe the easy. 
The easy money has been made. Okay, the easy money has been made. I need to go to Bill in Pennsylvania. Bill. Jim, booyah from Steeler Country. Uh, our family HVAC tool e-commerce business uses a uh, web platform that was recently acquired by Shift4. What do you think about them? I don't know them. They're from my hometown, and I should know them. But, boy, now the homework is really starting to stack up. I don't know them. Someone, of course, on Twitter yesterday said, oh, you're just pretending not to know them. Why would you pretend to be stupid? I, I, I didn't go to college to get stupid, stupid. I got to do some work on Shift 4. I can't just say, hey, listen, Shift 4, I love it. I'm going to find out what it's for. Let's go to Richard in Texas. Richard! Hi, Jim. Great, informative show. Thank you. Uh, my pot- Yeah, it's great. My partner Susie and I are regular watchers and first-time callers. I wonder what you think of Texas Instruments. I love Texas Instruments. It's information. It's IoT. It's auto. It's Apple. It's everything. And it's been around forever. And it's great cash management. Texas Instruments is for me. Should we take another? Let's go to William in Michigan then. William. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. As you know, the sports betting industry is growing rapidly. The fact that I'm calling has really taken off during the pandemic. I'm wondering if this momentum will continue post-COVID, which would allow this company to be a major player in the industry. What do you think of DraftKings? First, in disclosure, I do some work with them, but there was a piece that came out yesterday that used a $100 price target. said that we're all underestimating gambling. I agree with that. I think gambling in this country is going to be gigantic because there's only two real players. It is these guys in the pen that. And so I'm saying yes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. A little over a month ago, we had some fun. I told you that Ford and General Electric at 7 and $6, respectively, were locked in a mortal combat race to 10 bucks. I said they were both terrific turnaround stories, but I bet Ford would reach the finish line first. <laughs> Turns out, it was GE. GE, which briefly broke out over $10 today, and it only took five weeks. I thought I was exaggerating when I said that this would be even better than Ford versus Ferrari. But looking back, that description was pretty accurate. Ford came out with a gate, gate oh man, with a blowout quarter. It, it, not to mention a new lineup of cars and trucks that gave the company some real momentum. In the short time that Jim Farley's been at the helm, Ford's priorities have changed. They don't have any interest in making cars that lose money. I know. Shouldn't be a crazy idea. But until recently, the company was committed to being in every country, in every part of the world. Losing money. Doesn't matter. Not on Farley's watch. He actually cares about profitability, even as he's the ultimate car guy. He doesn't want to make cars where he can't make money. Of course, this year, Ford has an incredible tailwind in its back. Demand is amazing. Inventories are incredibly low, uh, both thanks to the pandemic. When people stop taking mass transit and move to the suburbs, they need cars to get around. So pricing is fantastic right now. Maybe, some people say, the best ever, especially for certain models like the F-150 commercial pickup. You want to know how popular this thing is? Go on used online. Go check. They're insanely valued, in some cases more expensive than they would have been when they left the lot before uh, COVID. There are some warranty issues here that could hold the earnings back, and Farley still needs to extricate himself from these regions where the company's losing money. He also has to figure out how to move more merchandise in China. I bet they're going to love the new 2021 Bronco, which is already sold out pretty much everywhere. I want the three-seat version. 
still, this is a fabulous situation for Ford. So how the heck did it lose to GE? One word. Boeing. Yep, Boeing just got approval to put the 737 MAX in the air, and that's going to be gigantic for GE, which makes the engines. That gives CEO Larry Culp some room to maneuver while he builds up the healthcare business and continues to fix the ailing power division. He's got a renewable business that should benefit under a Democratic White House. Wind doesn't carry the same margins as turbines, but at this point, it could be an actual business, not just a hobby. However, it's the aerospace division that brings GE back to life. In five months, the vaccine should be widely available. People will be flying again, and there will be demand for new aircraft. That's the whole ballgame. Now, both Ford and GE used to be reliable dividend payers with decent balance sheets. In the old days, they'd raise their dividends pretty quickly and just resolutely when business started booming. You know what? I think that can happen again. Now, I know many of you look down on the amateur Robin Hood crowd that absolutely loves these beaten down single-digit stocks. They're often dismissed as having only a millimeter's worth of knowledge about the stocks they own. But I come back and say, wait a second, if the Robinhood types are so darn dumb, why the heck are two of their favorite stocks giving you such incredible performance? I say if liking Ford and General Electric makes you an idiot, well, then maybe intelligence is overrated. I'd like to say there's always a market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.